This is the Forge Ministry Podcast. The Forge Ministry began in 2022 with the purpose and burden of shaping, strengthening, and sharpening men for the ministry. Welcome to the Forge. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, this is uh, Brother Aaron Harris. Welcome back to the Forge Ministry Podcast. And uh, just wanted to share a message with you, and um, that was preached at our camp meeting uh, a few weeks ago by Pastor Doug Castle from Linton, Indiana. Tremendous message that I felt was appropriate for this podcast, and uh, I do apologize for the lack of content being pushed out. We're working to get that uh, going a little bit faster here. Uh, but I wanted to share this message, and I hope it'll be a blessing to you, is entitled, uh, Missing Your Mantle. And I just felt uh, with the ethos of the podcast and what we're trying to do, this would be an appropriate message. So I want you to sit back and listen to it, glean all you can from it. Lord bless, and we'll talk to you soon. I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And uh, if you allow me just a little foundation uh, as we get into the message. You know, uh, before Elijah was taken to heaven, he asked Elisha what was to be done for him, and Elisha asked that a double portion of the power of the Spirit of God that had been upon Elijah would be given to him. And Elijah told Elisha that he had asked a hard thing, but if he was with him when he was translated and taken to heaven, that it would be done, that he'd be given that double portion. We know that story. We're familiar with that. And we know that Elisha... Uh, he, di- he did what Elijah said. He stayed close. In fact, there was a couple occasions where Elijah said, Terry here. And Elisha said, no, I'm not, you're not getting out of my sight. And Elisha stayed so close to Elijah that, that God had to send a chariot of fire to separate the two of them so that he could be translated in that whirlwind. And when Elijah was taken to heaven, the mantle of Elijah had fallen to the ground and Elisha, Elisha rent his mantle and took up the mantle of Elijah, and we know that he had that double portion of the power of God, that he went and smote the Jordan River just like Elijah had when they had come across. And, you know, I, I don't know how many messages I have heard through the years on the passing of the mantle, and, and thankful for each and every one of those. But there is a, I believe, another message about the mantle that is often overshadowed and overlooked that I think would be worth our attention. 1 Samuel chapter 15, and if you, if you would, if you're physically able, would you stand out of love and respect for the reading of the Word of God tonight? I understand I love and respect it when I sit down and read it at home in my, uh, in my personal devotions, but there's just something about standing in the presence of the Lord in corporate worship too, if you're able. And 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse number 24, we know that in chapter 15, Saul has been disobedient. He's gone out, he's defeated the Amalekites, but he's, he's done everything he was told not to do. He, he hasn't slain them all. He hasn't slain the king. He's taken the, the sheep and the goats and the best. And Samuel's come and says, what mean the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears? And, and Saul's making excuse after excuse. And for sake of time, we're just going to pick up here uh, where Saul and Samuel, Samuel just gets down to brass tacks with Saul. And he says this in verse number 24, and Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, therefore, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said unto Saul, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee. 
from being king over Israel. And as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle, and it rent. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. Father, one more time, we have already been before you in prayer, but Lord, we humbly beseech you now. Lord, that you would, again, that you would give your Holy Spirit. Lord, you said how much more. There's something more, Lord. You said that you would give to them that ask of him. So, Father, we ask that you would, uh, Lord, that you would put the coals uh, to lips and cleanse us from sin. And, Lord, separate us for your purpose. And, Lord, that your spirit would come with his fullness and power. And, Lord, fill the hearts of those that are here, uh, Lord, to hear from heaven tonight. Lord, we'll give you our thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. You can be seated tonight. 200 years before the mantle of Elijah fell to Elisha, there is a story about two other men, Samuel and Saul, and a mantle that was to be passed that that transfer never took place. I don't know about you, but when, there's something about the passing of the mantle that we look at as a generational transfer of power and authority and God's blessing on his servants. And I believe we can see that all throughout the Bible. I believe you can see it with Moses and Joshua and Elijah and Elisha and uh, Paul and Titus and Timothy. And we could go on down that list. And at this time, Saul had been king for at least a period of 15 years. And he has repeatedly demonstrated himself to be stubborn, to be self-willed, to be rebellious. And Saul always had to make excuse for himself and for his sins. And outwardly, he would demonstrate repentance, but it was always an insincere, insincere facade, presuming to stay in the good graces of God and Samuel so he could continue to serve his own selfish purposes. And God had finally got enough. And, and as a result, God tore the kingdom from Saul and would one day give it to his neighbor. Again, bringing us to where we've just read today. And the kingdom had been rent from Saul, given to another, and God would not repent. And Saul would go on to live out the rest of his life more than 25 years without the mantle. All that he had was a piece that was torn from the skirt of Samuel. He didn't have a mantle that fell to him. He would never possess it for himself. I think if we could turn over to 1 Samuel chapter 28, I think that there's a, a picture here that is more clear. Saul is about to uh, go out to fight against the Philistines. He's about to die. And Saul has lived a long time and miserable, and bitter, and frustrated life. There is no word from the Lord. Samuel has died, and Saul cannot inquire. God will not speak to him. That's a bad place when a child of God has come to a place where God will not speak to him. You're in a, you're in a dark place, and Saul is so desperate that he goes to the witch of Endor, to inquire and pick up in verse 11. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice. And the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. And he said unto her, What form is he of? Notice what it says. And she said, an old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived 
that it was Samuel. I think the message tonight is this, the man who missed the mantle. Again, I'm thankful for the mantle of Elijah that fell to Elisha and for that double portion, but church, let's be fair. There's a lot of people that miss it. There's a lot of people where that God has something for them, uh, this anointing, this, this transfer of power, but this passing of the torch from one generation to another. And, and there are times when it is missed. And I just want to give you a few things very quickly tonight and get, uh, get out of the way before Pastor Wood comes and preaches tonight. But I think there's just a few things that we could observe here that uh, about so that we not make the same mistake that Saul did. And it, be, it begins with this, first of all, Saul missed the mantle from the very start. I believe that Saul missed that mantle in the beginning of his anointing. Saul, I don't, some people want to debate that Saul was never even saved. I don't believe that God would choose an unregenerated man to lead his chosen people. I don't believe that, that God was biding time, marking time, waiting for David. I believe that Saul was God's first choice, a right choice to be king, and that Saul was given every opportunity to be the man that God anointed him to be, that God desired him to be. But Saul always had to go his own way. I'm just here to tell you, uh, young people and, and to all people, God has an anointing for every life. God has a perfect will for every life. And He has something for you. But he is, God doesn't force His will on you. God won't force His blessing. And God, and God has something for you. But you can forfeit it and you can miss it. I believe there's an anointing on every child of God that covers the child of God. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to be called to preach or, or go to the mission field, although there are people that are avoiding that. I'll tell you what, we could use some more Sunday school teachers like Edward Kimball and Daisy Hawes, that would lead a D.L. Moody or Lee Robertson. We could use another Charles Weigel. We could, just, we could use some people, uh, that's whatever God's call for you, make your calling an election sure, whatever that call is, just somebody that would be the pastor's man in the church and a, another soul or like a C.W. Fisk, we, they're just, whatever that calling is, but there is something, that mantle and that word that, 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 that is here that's used for mantle, is not a word that's found often in the Bible. It's a Hebrew word. It's only found a couple dozen times and it simply means a cover. And beneath a, a mantle of God's anointing is all of God's promises and His power, His pr protection, His provision, His purpose. And and again, we've seen people catch it. We've seen people miss it if we really stop to think about it. And if you were to follow the Bible law, the first mention, the first time that this Hebrew word for the mantle is used is in Exodus chapter 28. And it is associated, it, is the, it deals with the outer coat, the garment, of the, uh, uh, or Exodus chapter 24, to the robe, the garment of the high priest. And it is used more than once in connection with the high priest. And it is... Uh, uh, in, uh, and the, the garments of the Lord, uh, of the high priest, the Bible says, speak of the glory and the beauty of the Lord and His holiness. And in Leviticus chapter 8, verse 7, God took, uh, commanded Moses to take Aaron and his sons and put those holy garments on them, that holy covering, that holy anointing in the presence of the people, an act of cleansing, an act of, uh, of consecration for priestly service. 
And you know, this Hebrew word that is used here is also found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. When a woman that was barren and could not, could not conceive a child went to the tabernacle and prayed and asked God for a son and promised God that if he would give her a son, she would return him and lend him to the Lord. And Hannah prayed and, and Samuel was the answer to her prayer, asked of God. And if you was to go to chapter 1, do you know you'd find that it says that every year that when Hannah, his mother, came, that she would make a coat and bring it to Samuel. And that word coat is exactly the same as this word mantle that is used here in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 19. I believe we're missing something. By the way, I think we could use some parents that would pray and ask God to put a covering over their children. If we're going to see, we, you know, we spend a lot of time, it's, it's about like the presidency and the economy. We spend more time complaining than we do interceding. You know, we could use some, one, an elder generation that instead of complaining about the generation that's coming up, that they would, we would cover them with prayer and ask God to use them in a way and raise them up and be preparing another generation to be that covering uh, protection. And uh, Elisha asked God, and look, maybe nobody's praying for you. Well, you can be an Elisha and ask God to give you that, that same anointing. And God gave it to Elisha and God gave it to Hannah over Samuel. And then you find Saul that when it's time for him to be anointed, Samuel's anointed him and they, they come to present him from the king. And, and what is Saul doing? He's, he's avoiding his anointing, hiding among the stuff. You know, there's a lot of people that miss, they miss their mantle because they're hiding behind the stuff in this world. There's just, a, there's all, I'm not going to get into all what all the stuff is. We, we know what it is, but I'm, whatever, whatever you want, it's there. And we're talking about this, this, this anointing for God's power, for God's service, and God doesn't let us drag any of our stuff in with that. It is, so they had to go pull Saul out. We need men like Samuel and like Elisha that were willing to accept. You know, Samuel could have been at some point in his life and said, you know, I, I didn't ask for this anointing, but that's the attitude of a lot of people that miss it. Well, I didn't ask for this. This isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I chose. It's amazing. We all want that. Well, everybody wants to go to, wants to receive that gift of eternal life, but they don't want to express any gratitude for the grace that's been given them. There's something about this anointing that Saul, from the very start, he just always avoided it. And because of it, when Saul missed that anointing, you know what he missed? is he missed what we've heard so much about this week. He missed that, that covering, that power, that presence of the Spirit of God yeah. in his life. You know, there came a point when God sent an evil spirit. I mean, God sent an evil spirit to torment Saul. Now, there's a lot of spirits in this world. There's the Spirit of God, the Spirit of man, the Spirit of the world, the Spirit of Antichrist that the Bible speaks about. But you know, Paul spent the rest of his life, what little, what plagued by an evil spirit, and he had to get somebody, his neighbor David, to come 
and soothe his spirit. He could get close. You know, there are people that they have missed it. And they, they, have, they have missed it because they avoided it. And, when, and, and then there's still something. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And then their spirit's grieved. And they can get around some David who will soothe their spirit for a time. How many people do we see that come into church every once in a while? They've, they've, they've made conscious and willful decisions that have all but destroyed their lives, but they just show up two, three, four times a year. And when they come in here, they're near that spirit that they walked away from. They want to see if it's still here, if God's power is still here. And, but it just seems like after some period of time, they just start chucking javelins at David. Next thing you know, they wind up on some recovering fundamentalist website. And instead of accepting responsibility for the decisions that they have made, avoiding their own calling, they're casting blame on the people that tried to help them. And they have missed the power and the Spirit of God in their life. You know, I just, I remember when I was growing up, we just, we heard so much about the power of the Holy Spirit. That it created when I was growing up in church, that it created a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I mean, we heard those stories. I would hear preachers get up and they would talk about Savannah Rolla, who would sit for five hours, sit for five hours and refuse to stand up and approach the pulpit and preach until he felt that he was covered with the power of the Holy Spirit and not one person left. There was, there was nothing on YouTube. There was no other ball game to go to. I mean, it was that or nothing. And I mean, people would wait and for five hours watch the man that refused to move and then and would get up and preach in the power of the Holy Spirit and people were saved and we would hear about Christmas Evans being knocked off his horse by the power of the Holy Spirit and D.L. Moody being filled on Wall Street. We were taught to pray for power and there was something an elder generation put inside of a younger generation we were growing up that, that created a hunger and a thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. And we grew up wanting to be filled with the power of of the Holy Spirit. And we saw it, not just, it wasn't just something we heard in the stories, in the sermons that were preached. It was something that we saw in the lives of the people that preached them. I'm thankful that I had, I had a father that, that kept me around and brought me into the presence of men with the Spirit of God. You know, I remember when I was, uh, when I was just, uh, I was six, seven years old, 1980, 1981. My dad Took, pulled me out of school to take me to college chapel with him one day. And I remember sitting in classes, uh, sitting on his briefcase, because there wasn't an open desk, so he could take me to chapel to hear Dr. John R. Rice the last year before he passed. I remember him taking to revival me to hear Lee, Lee Robertson and praying with Lee Robertson before the service and hearing Dr. Malone and, and Brother Hiles and so many different men. that the And, the, the, and it was... And you would hear, I'll pray for power. And, 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 the, and the Spirit of God was palpable. It was present. It was tangible. Amen. And there used to be something that we were conscious of a generational moving of God where the Holy Spirit from one generation to another, what, that, 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 that power and that presence just, just kept marching on. You know, I, I was saved uh, under my father's preaching. And my father, 
uh, was saved in 1972. My dad, he, he didn't grow up in a Christian home. He was saved out of a life of sin, out of a terrible life of sin. My father, was, my, my dad was in the occult and, and ready to commit suicide, not out of depression, uh, but just because he was ready, he believed in reincarnation, was ready to move on to the next plane of life. He started smoking at seven and drinking at 14, and, uh, and it's just his life uh, was just, uh, he, he was just, and, and then two girls knocked on the door, soul winners, knocked on the door, invited them to church, went to church, and a man by the name of Pastor William B. Musselman, yeah, he, was, he was in the 70s and the 1970s. Within a very small man, a very frail man, completely opposite of everything my dad was. A very meek man, very humble, storyteller preacher. Led my father to Jesus Christ. And he was our family's pastor until he went home to be with the Lord. Well into the 90s and he was, in, he was 96, 97 years of age. And you know, he was, he was saved as a 14-year-old boy sitting in an open-air tabernacle in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. When a, when a man by the name of Billy Sunday was preaching. You know, we just, there was, uh, there was something growing up. I was aware of, of this, this, this movement of God that, that went from one generation to the next. And so the elder generation demonstrated the, spirit of, the power of the Spirit of God and it created uh, an appetite. And there is, the Bible says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be and they gave us a hunger and a thirst and they taught us uh, to, to be, that, that, that we were the ones to, that were to come to take that up. You know, there was a time, if, and we, we've missed something here, we've lost something here. You know, there was a time that if, if, you, if all of a sudden people weren't getting saved, I mean, you just, uh, you didn't come back, you, didn't, you weren't looking for somebody with a new book or a new model or a new methodology, or a new program. You, didn't, you weren't Googling something uh, for a YouTube video. You just came back, and you fell on your face, and, and you asked God, uh, you, you begged God for the power of the Holy Spirit, and you went back out, and you knocked doors until you won somebody else to Christ. And you believed that the power was, was not in, in, in what somebody, in some program, or, or some gimmick, or some gadget, or something else, but that it was in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, you have a, and when the Holy Spirit comes, you know, with Samuel, you get conviction. With Saul, we don't want to go to church where there's conviction. We'd rather have comfort. When Samuel, you want cleansed from your sins. You want, like Isaiah, the coals to be put to your lip. But, and with Saul, no, I just want to be carnal. With Samuel, Samuel was consecrated. He was, he was ground to powder to fill the hand of God. And Saul was a castaway. And, it, and there's no in between. And we're seeing today, I fear, we're seeing more of Saul than we are Samuel. Because there's this prevailing, there's this prevailing theme in our society today that to go to church, we just, we want to be comforted. Don't judge me. I thought the Bible said that the time has now come that judgment ought, is to begin at the house of God. Oh Lord, correct me with judgment, Jeremiah said, but not in thine anger lest thou bring me to nothing. We want to be comfortable. We, we, we want to be carnal. And we're not even, we have no regard for the future, whether we're going to be some castaway and lose our full reward. And we've missed something. And I believe what we've done is we've gotten too close to the world. 
and we haven't stayed close to the generation that came before us. I, I, you don't find any generation gaps in the Bible. Right. You know, we, got, we, we live in a society today that has created generational animosity, just like they're creating. Uh, all the people that are trying to end racism are creating it. And we're, we're watching the same thing. We are seeing generational animosity created in our churches. If you read, if you read Titus chapter 2, there is no generational gap. Those, those generations, you can go to Titus chapter 2 and read where, the, where God doesn't put a period. He talks to elder men and elder women and younger men and younger women. And, and there is just a continuous flow and unity and things that are common to them. And that there was something where that there was just a time where, the, uh, where we stayed close to each other. You stayed close to the generation that had the mantle and you didn't miss it, kind of like Elisha did with Elijah. You know, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says I, that uh, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body, one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all, one. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. That endeavor begins with the younger generation. We're told to entreat them, the elders, as fathers. Let me just say, and I'm not just, I'm not just talking to six and seven-year-olds or teenagers. There is something about the younger generation that we are to go. Your preacher quoted the verse earlier this week. It's a favorite verse of mine. I will get me unto the great men and speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord. Jeremiah 5, 5. I'm thankful that there were people that God placed in my life that He allowed me to get close to. And I learned something from them. I learned from their prayer life. I learned from their preaching. I learned from being in their presence. I'm, I'm so glad. Some of them I, I grew up with and some of them the Lord brought into my life. And I, I could tell you names of people that you may know and may not know. And, and uh, Brother Bobby Robertson, and Pastor Terry Angel, and, and uh, Brother Daryl Cox, and, and, and Dr. Bob Smith, and just so many different men that the Lord in my life personally, and God has someone in your life, and my parents, and my dad is my pastor and is my father, and, and uh, that, that they didn't, that when I entreated them, they endeared me to them. They didn't run me off, they didn't shove me out of the way. And sometimes, let me just say this to the other generation, sometimes we get grumpy. It's amazing how neither generation, no generation has ever been as good as the generation that preceded it. I hear guys get bent out of shape at some kid using an offering plate for a Frisbee or banging on the piano that used to brag about smoking cigarettes behind the church. I'll take the Frisbee any day, man. And they have no faith that the next generation could be any better. Which generation went into cross the Jordan? Look, don't knock Elisha when he comes. He might be twice the man you are. Don't, 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 don't sit there and, and think that, that, that there is no hope. I'm glad that there are people, and I'm thankful in my life that there were people that endeared themselves to me. And, and when I've gone to them and tried to get close to them, they didn't run me off. They didn't shove me to the side. You know, in recent years, Pastor David Wood has been one of those in my life that when I met him and uh, I started to get close to him, he is just, he's always, he is always, uh, just endear, he, when I've entreated him, he has endeared himself to me. I, well, a, a few months ago, he was preaching uh, someplace in the area. I went to hear him preach, and, and uh, I called up Brother Tony after the service, and I said, your daddy did something to me tonight no man has ever done to me in my life. 
He said, Daddy kissed you on the neck, didn't he? I said, yes. I said, I didn't know what to do. And it, somehow it didn't feel wrong. I'm not saying I want it again right now. I'm just saying. But it, it, they were just, it was right. By the way, we need, I'm not saying you got to go around running them off like that. But I'll take that over somebody that says, oh, you guys will never amount to anything. I don't want to get that Thyatira syndrome where thou hast a name that thou livest. When we talk about the good old days, don't ever buy into this that that there's no hope in this generation. Wherever the Spirit of God is present, it's He who letteth will not let until He be taken out of the way. He has not been taken out of the way. That means the power is still there. The presence of the Holy Spirit is still there. And you know, the, I understand as an old generation, we, you, and I grew up on the tail end of that old Sword of the Lord revival, and, and I understand that we saw some things. We saw a day when churches could run 500 to 1,000 overnight and, and national revival and all those types of things, and that it may not, it's kind of like when the children of Israel came back from Babylon and they laid the foundation of the of the temple the old men wept because they remembered the glory of the former but the young men rejoiced because this was all they see but you can't expect people to not rejoice over the best that they've seen and we, we get sometimes in older generations we've seen something that we no longer see but that doesn't mean we're still not seeing anything and I, I'll tell you this I've still been in meetings even even in recent years where again I understand it may not be national revival but I agree with what Brother Kendrick said the other night there can be absolutely personal revival blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled they shall be filled they shall be filled the promise of the Holy Spirit is still an eternal promise from an omnipotent God. And I believe we can have church revival. I believe it can hit local in our area. And the, and the possibility, we can't limit an unlimited God. With God, all things are possible. That was asked an hard thing. Oh, it wouldn't be bad for us to start asking for some hard things. Again. And I've been in services. I've been in services today. I'm not talking about when I was a boy. I've been in services as a grown man where I have seen the, the Spirit of God break through. Real. With, the, with young people there to give them hope and to let them know that, that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us, not the previous generation. Thank God for what God's done in the previous generation and what He's doing, but that transfer's still there. That's why Paul told the church of Corinth, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. You know, the devil doesn't have to attack a church in a civil war. But a church that's unified in one spirit, in one father, in one body, and they've blown up that stupid generation gap idea, And young people are going to an older generation seeking their wisdom, seeking their presence, seeking their prayers. And an older generation is covering and praying and and guiding and teaching and instructing another generation. You don't have to miss no mantle. I understand there's always going to be a Saul out there. And if he misses it, he's missed it for himself and has no one to blame but himself. It says in 1 Chronicles 15 verse 7 that David was clothed with a robe. That's the same word as mantle that's used here. 
You know what? God's going to pass the mantle to someone. By the way, David turned, did pretty good. And I, and I understand, not, not, one person, let me, not one person that's had a mantle has ever been perfect. I'm so weary of this crowd because Eli sits in the tabernacle and I make no excuses for Eli. But God always deals with his servant. God judged Eli for his sin. God judged Samuel for his sin when his sons got older. God judged David for his sins. But when God wanted to raise up a, another man, another anointing, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't send everybody home to watch, to watch some television evangelists. He raised up a Samuel within the tabernacle under the presence of an Eli. And when he heard the voice of God and Samuel ran to Eli, you called me. And Eli, even Eli recognized, no, this is, the, this is the call of God. The next time you hear that voice, say, who art thou? That's a great question. You know it would be good for us in a while when we have an invitation? If we had some generations in the church, some families. Well, there's something about moms and dads and children and grandchildren being covered together in prayer. Yes. There is something about a church where you have one people in one place with one prayer when we prove that we're one body and we hit our faces to the Lord. We, I, I believe there's still an anointing of God's power for God's work that we still haven't tapped into. I believe it's free for every generation. Father, we pray that you bless the message tonight, the message to come. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production of the Forge Ministry Podcast. You can continue the conversation and stay up to date with new releases and conferences by visiting forgeministry.com. In addition, you can receive text alerts by texting the word FORGE, that's F-O-R-G-E, the word FORGE to this phone number, 309-316-7240. Join us next time on the FORGE Ministry Podcast.